Warning, you cannot be the boss of an object. everybody and welcome to wrong street i'm your co-host sean and my name is aaron today's a very special day on wrong street it's a once a month holiday that we're always looking forward to rent day Ooh, goody 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 you know if we didn't pay rent the landlords wouldn't have enough money to keep a roof over our heads so i am always so excited to do this but sean i have a big concern that i haven't shared with you yet and i'm really nervous i don't have enough money for rent this month. Would you be able to lend me some oh. money to cover my rent? That's the thing. Because of the global economic crisis and pandemic, I'm going to have to choose between paying my rent or paying for essentials. That's the choice I face, paying for my rent or paying for essentials. That's all I was hoping you were going to save me from the choice. But Because when you said I've got a problem, I thought you were going to say, my problem is I'm so nervous because I look up to the landlord so much that I'm going to embarrass myself when I try to talk to him. Because that's what I've been feeling. But oh. I just thought that we would just pay him. That's usually what I'm nervous about, too. Being in the presence of someone who's kind of so smart and who's made the right choices and investments to get ahead in this world, it's inspiring. And anytime I see them and hand them money, I'm ecstatic and nervous and panicked. Oh, my God. What is? Am I going to do something embarrassing? This month, I'm still excited to see him, and I'm excited to pay rent, but... I don't want to because I want to eat. I mean, <laughs> he's the lord of the land. And at the end of the day, lords are lords, and we are where we are. Yeah, you bow down <laughs> so, to I the mean, lord. You signed a contract, you bow down to the lord. Oh my god, do you hear that? That's the sound of his cane. He's coming up the cobblestones towards us. Oh, uh, the tip of his uh, hat's his... over the horizon. Wow, what a deep purple. The tasteful way his sweater draped around his shoulders flaps in the wind. And that strong, confident posture. He's probably paying for a personal trainer. That's really okay. Okay, really okay. Well, he's coming. Well, okay, just be cool. Just be cool. <laughs> Hello, boys. Hi, hi, Mr. Landlord. Hi, Lord of the Land. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, you know, it's a global pandemic. On, it's a bit weird for everybody, but uh, yeah, we're all in this together, sir. Yes, yes, we are. Got to band together in these tough times and stick to our agreements. Isn't that right, boys? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely, sir. Um, I was just thinking that. We were just talking about that. <laughs> you can shut down the airlines, but rent, that's permanent. The money keeps rolling in. That's a wise investment I made. And, you know, if you boys are smart, one day you'll make the <laughs> same investment. I'll always remember that, sir, if I can ever save up $80,000. So, sir, you know, because of the global pandemic and the economic crisis, both of our incomes, me and Aaron's incomes here on Wrong Street have been 
going down a little bit because of all the oh, economic no. effects. That's awful. And we thought that maybe we could just talk to you and open up a line of communication a bit. Just talk a little bit about the possibility of, say... Say no more, say would... no more. I know exactly what you're asking me for. Here, I have a few pamphlets right here, one for each of you. These are different services the government might be offering, and also just some tips and tricks for how to cut back on costs. So there's things in there like eating from dumpsters, recycling your own urine. Oh, I've never even thought I was wasting it. And that's, that's why, why you're, you're rich, sir. Exactly. Here's the money, sir. We're just going to cut our medicine pills in half, sir, and we'll cut down on a few. Have you been reading that pamphlet already, or are those uh, your own ideas? I was glancing at the pamphlet. It will stick to the basics. Tap water and rice for us so that's one full rent and two full rents that is fantastic boys and you know keep your chins up there's plenty of work out there lots of essential services right now something i don't know and remember it's just one more month until rent day that's what i always like to say on rent day yeah it's true i remember sir when you said that and i look forward to giving you the check again 12 times a year toodles Wow, he... Oh, that energy. He is something else. He does so much for the tenants. These tips, the friendly critiques of our lifestyle choices. Every week after I talk to him, my mind feels sharper. I feel like a little bit of landlord brain rubs off on me, and I, for a moment, can almost taste what it would be like to be as smart and as capable as he is, but it always wears off. Well, I think that's why that God created rent days 12 times a year, to make sure we get a that dose, we don't yeah. forget that spirit, get a dose. Hey, it's Trash Puppet, the radical leftist. How you doing, Trash Puppet? I'm actually feeling pretty good about myself. I just told my landlord, that bastard, that I'm going on rent strike. He's not getting a penny out of me all month. Wait a minute. You pay someone to live in that old can? Every single fucking month. Yeah, we were just talking about how rent day happens every month, and it's just one more month till rent day, but yikes. I don't know about this whole rent strike thing you're talking about. Well, he's a bastard. I told him that he's not getting a penny out of me until this COVID shit's over, and you... he can deal with me then. Okay. That's some strong language. That puppet provides you a can to live in. Yeah, he runs like 50 cans. He's got a whole racket. He charges me 30 or 50% of my income to pay off the mortgages and all these cans. It's buying him an asset. And at the end, he acts like I'm this layabout when he works zero hours a week maintaining this property. I'm paying him five bucks a day and he does nothing. He does zip. He just happens to already be rich enough to start this whole racket. That's exactly what I'm talking about. He's smart. And you got to learn from him. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to learn from my landlord. And I think you should learn from your trash lord. It's not just my trash lord that's a bastard. Your landlord's a bastard, too. All lords are bastards. Oh, what? How About could you say landlord? that? He's a great uh, man. I hope he provides he housing. Landlords uh, are... If he owns oh 50 cans, he must be a smart guy. How could you? Sometimes, even on Wrong Street, people have disagreements and get into arguments. And that's okay. But going through disagreements can be really uncomfortable. Will Sean, Aaron, and Trash Puppet, the radical leftist, manage to find an agreement? Will they come together, unite as one, holding hands, three against the world? Are all lords really bastards? The answer to all these questions and more, coming up. So I've heard some people say that all landlords are bastards. Do you think that sort of rhetoric is appropriate? <laughs> I totally understand the impulse to say like, oh, this rhetoric is distasteful and like those are human beings and saying a whole group of people is a bastard doesn't sit right with me. My heart's too big for that. I totally get all that. I feel that way a lot of the time too. But, you know, 
I've been in a lot of landlord groups recently. and <laughs> Landlord groups on Facebook? Landlord groups on Facebook. Which has changed your opinion whether or not all landlords are bastards by being in these groups? Uh, no, it's changed my opinion about the rhetoric of all lords are bastards. And like, how do I put this? I think it's the result of a normal emotional response to some of like what people experience with landlords and some of the things landlords say and do. Like, I don't know if it's a rational analytical statement of truth. I think it's more of a an emotional statement that is very relatable. Yeah, I think a distinction that I like to draw is between the role that a person plays in society and the human inside. Like, you know, there's a soft pink consciousness inside of all of us that's deeply traumatized from dealing with everything that we have to deal with. Those quivering beings, the little baby inside of us that cries. <laughs> that wants to cry, but you won't let it because you have landlording to do. These consciousnesses, they climb into these sort of like mecha suits, these anime battle suits of these roles within society, like boss or like politician or even just like worker or things like that, where you fit into this sort of idea of what you're supposed to be that then carries its own logic. You know, these mecha suits, they have their different special attacks and stuff like that. And that's how we go across in society. So all the landlord battle mechs are bastards. They have special tenant destroying rays. They raise the rents. They have a financial incentive to take a larger percentage of people's rent than they can actually afford. And there isn't any means to prevent them from doing so, especially in markets like here in Vancouver that are out of control. All of those battle mech suits are bastards. The soft pink consciousness inside, I believe, need to be liberated from these battle mechs. I think that's really what the confusion around this comes down to. When you say something like all cops are bastards or say that landlords are parasites or something like that, people are like thinking about, hey, I know someone and they're a soft pink consciousness inside. I play poker with them. They're a decent person. They show affection towards animals and the small children. They have a soul and they deserve a higher amount of dignity than to be treated that way. And in a sense, it's like, yes, of course, they're human beings and everyone deserves dignity. But that battle mech suit they're in is designed to destroy and stratify society and must be abolished. So I don't think that pink consciousness is a bastard, but I think when he gets up in that suit and wears that suit around, shoots the rays at the tenants, raises the rents, earning passive income, like, yes, we have to criticize that as bastardish. And the logic of bastardism is so deeply ingrained within the role of a landlord that I think it's fair to say that all lords are bastards. It occurs to me that maybe the problem with the phrase, all lords are bastards, is not so much the statement that they're bastards, but how we understand why bastardish behavior comes about in the world. Because I think, by and large, most of the people donning these landlord battle mech suits, these terrified, quivering babies inside going out into the world wanting safety and comfort, and like they've latched themselves onto this idea that they have a respectable role in society. They're providing a service by like owning a property, maintaining the property, and allowing people to rent it out. Maybe they even rented some stuff out when they were young before they were able to buy a home, you know, and they just see it as kind of this like progression and they're helping out that like this is the bullshit, I guess I'll say that they have to believe in order to feel okay while they're doing this battle mech suit stuff. Like, you know, any soldiers fighting in a war against other human beings and killing them usually have to believe some kind of bullshit in order to assume that role and think that like, it's a good idea to go do this. I mean, you know, whatever caveats, but the like caveat the, is there could hypothetically be a just war. 
<laughs> but the same thing, like just like all of us, they're terrified of not being safe and of like not being okay anymore. They want security. Like we all want security. And like it doesn't make them not bastards. That's where bastardish behavior comes. That's where like basically all shitty behavior comes from is like desiring some kind of safety or desiring some kind of comfort and like trying to get other people to do what you want so you can be okay. So that's that's just kind of like how bastarding comes to be, I guess, <laughs> pretty often. I don't know about everything in the world, but... But the reason I mention this is I don't think people should feel bad for feeling like landlords are bastards. Like, you're not a bad person if you hate your landlord or hate landlords in general. I think, like, hate is a normal emotional reaction to having, like, injustice and boundary violations. And, like, that's what the landlord relationship is based on. So, like hates normal it's a normal thing to feel in this kind of situation yeah we shouldn't be moralistic sort of like tut-tutting and i mean like if you can avoid in your life picking up resentment it can definitely be a beneficial thing if you can sort of like self-regulate around that and like i know sometimes i get carried away there's been times in politics where i've taken things personally that weren't about me decisions made by people who don't know who i am which it can sometimes be like an impetus towards action but can also, I think, be... Are you going like to be a, a more effective... I keep going to the war metaphors here. Are you going to be a more effective soldier in a war if you hate your opponent or if you just like coldly and calculatingly want to beat them? Hate might make you furious in battle or something, but I don't know if it's going to make you strategic and like precise in your actions. I think from a military strategy perspective, and this is going to sound really fucked up, and I'm sorry to say it, but hate is what a really callous military strategist would put in the hearts of the people that he intends to send into the battlefields to die. You know, <laughs> your strategists, you don't want to have hate. The people who sit in the rooms, you don't want to have hate. The people that you send there in the front lines to be maimed, hate's like a good, it's like a quick, get them really passionate, get them out the door. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. If you could cast a spell over all of them and make them not full of hate, but just full of yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean to say that not as a commander, but as a troop warning the other troops. Like if someone's trying to put hate in your heart, they're trying to send you into the battlefield to die. Oh yeah, definitely going to be more likely to die <laughs> that way. <laughs> I think people in positions of power and whether that's police or landlords or whatever else... I think it's important to say here that power makes people oblivious. It shields them from being able to see what it's like to be outside of their position. Owning land and renting land out to people is a form of power. You have a lot of assets. You have a lot of options. It's quite literally, in an economic and technical sense, a privilege, both in the contemporary context and if you look throughout history, that was a sign of a class distinction. So it makes them oblivious. It's the reason the landlord groups are so bad, because they don't realize what a great deal they're getting. They don't know what it's like to be the soft pink consciousness on the other end of the tenant-destroying gun. They just think it's like the being fair to tenants, Ray. They're like, what do you mean? I'm just shooting the being fair to tenants ray at them, and they're getting so mad at me. I don't understand why. Beep, beep, beep. Fairness achieved. It's like all the, the family, just like they're being raided, ah, being blasted out of their home. Ah, we're it's only now. fair. And I mean, also, for, for Christ's sake, they're called lords. Where else in society do you find a lord like that? You know, you don't have wage lords. You don't have bus lords. You don't have... We do have wage lords. We just don't call them that. You know, I'm not a big fan of landlords. But uh, at least they're honest about being lords. All those other lords, hypocrites, <laughs> liars. That's why landlords uh, are my favorite lords. That is a hot take. I think the landlords will appreciate it. It's true. It's true. We are. We're really, we're honest. We're honest people. 
And what's contemptible <sighs> about landlords as individuals, like when you look at these landlord groups, and it's obviously it doesn't speak for everyone that happens to own property and rents it out. But when you think of the pejorative landlord, the thing that makes these people so contemptible in these groups, when you see them being so inhumane, is their lord-like behavior specifically, the way they're acting as if they are a land-owning, upper-class person, and so entitled to the time and energy and wages of the people who are beneath them in the totem pole. Like I've seen around the COVID stuff with people talking about rent cancellation and other things, people are like, oh, what if it's not financially realistic for landlords to take on this cost. And it's like, well, do they check if it's financially realistic for people to pay the amount of rent the market says? Or do they just have to pay whatever it is? Oh, yeah, they're oblivious or don't care. It's wild. These groups are wild. I haven't had any particularly bad landlords myself, but on the Vancouver Tenants Union page, there was a landlord. They had said, you know, housing is a human right. And she showed up in the comments with a screenshot of the UN Declaration of Human Rights and she was like, show me on this document where it says housing is a human right. And she literally posted a screenshot where number 26 said that housing is a human yeah. right. <laughs> and then four months later, I read in the newspaper, she was, <laughs> she was fined $11,000 by the province because she had been harassing her tenant to move out days after she had given birth. So she had violated the human rights of her tenant and the human rights tribunal <laughs> made her pay $11,000. So that's the real punchline. She showed up being like, show me where housing is a human right. And then we were like there. And then she's like, oh, damn. And then like four months later, the human rights tribunal find her. It's amazing. Yeah. I did have a shitty landlord once. There's a few stories I could tell, but the creepiest one, he had cameras in the hallway. And one time he saw me in the hallway talking to a previous tenant who he'd evicted, who was in there trying to give him shit. And as soon as I went into my apartment, my phone rang and I said, hello, it's him. And he's like, didn't say hello or anything. Just said, if you ever talk to her again, I'll kick you out of the building and then hung up. And it was just so fucking ominous. It was like this day, if you talk to her again, I'll kick you out. Click. And I was like, okay, I'm moving out of this place immediately. Yeah, that's wild, man. Just like, like he that's... was watching me talk to her and then like called. It's like so fucking yeah, it's such a... red flag behavior. And that's the thing about the system as it's set up. Our housing system is a system that's been tweaked and forged over hundreds of years in different ways, but has its roots in aristocratic inequality based on the divine rights of kings. And so we have this idea in our society of like a divine right to property, a divine right to own things, to be the boss of inanimate objects and to be the boss of plots of land. The result of this is like we come out of this like evolutionary process, a social evolutionary process, the way that like culture and economics, resource and technology all intermingle with each other that comes to a point where we have this absolutely broken housing system that's rooted in all these weird assumptions about property, which come from slave-owning societies <laughs> that we just take equally seriously today. And it's the whole premise that you should be able to buy an extra house and then charge someone money to live in that house. And that if you buy enough houses, you can have that replace your income entirely. Or even just with one house, it's enough to sort of live on. It's like a basic income, especially if your mortgage is paid. <laughs> that whole system's broken. It doesn't make any sense. Why should it be that way? It puts the ethical responsibility onto the individual landlord to decide whether or not to be a power-tripping asshole like the guy who watched you go into your apartment and gave you a phone call. Instead of being a system that's set up to naturally dissuade that, because of the way the power dynamics are, it naturally allows 
for a great degree of that sort of weird power tripping stuff at the discretion of the individual who happens to own the property. Yeah, absolutely. The types of relationships that make that kind of stuff possible shouldn't be there in the first place, rather than saying like, oh, it's okay as long as the people in the potentially abusive role decide not to be abusive. (laughs) It's that time again for another episode of The Good Landlord on TLC. Let's meet today's good landlord, Benton Dixon. Hi, my name is Benton. My family comes from money. I'm a soccer player. I love to watch funny movies. Seth Rogen's my favorite. My friends say I'm the captain of the Seth Rogen fan club, but they're just joking. I try to be a good landlord whenever I can, and I love my tenants. They're my family to me. Now, Benton Dixon has had the same tenants, a family, living in one of his properties for 25 years, and he's been keeping a secret from them for that entire time. Today, we're all going to peek in as Benton tells them what's up. Hey, Margarita, Julio, can you come out here for a sec? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Benton, our uh, landlord. Good to see you. You're probably wondering why I brought the cameras. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Get ready for this. Number one, I want to thank you because you paid for the mortgage of this place. Just hear the documents. Yeah, you made a profit on top of mortgage and maintenance, I see here. A profit on top of both of those. Feel free to look through all the documents. Consistently. It's not a secret. I'm happy to share it. I would share it with someone who is buying the property. I'll share it with you. That's nice. Yeah. Ultimately, you've paid me so much in excess and profit that even my down payment from before when you moved in has been more than covered. Oh, yeah. I see <laughs> so, the numbers here. It's more than covered by so yeah, a lot. Yeah, sure. it's there. In, huh. Neat. And so I think you're probably wondering why I'm telling you this. Yeah, it's interesting, but I do. I yeah, want why? to thank you for buying this and giving me a little bit of basic income over the years by signing the deed over to you. Hey, you paid for the house, you can keep it. It's your home, not mine. Wait, we could never afford a mortgage ourselves, a down payment, we didn't have the credit. So home ownership was kind of always off the table. You're not joking, right? This isn't Ashton Kutcher's punked. Is that still a show? No, hand to God. Ashton Kutcher's punked is canceled. And now there's a new show called Good Landlords and I'm on it. And that's why the cameras are here. It's a better show than punked because it actually makes a good impact and sets a good example for people. You know, I'm not a big fan of pranks. You've known that for years. That's true. Everybody's got a thing. And I have known that. Some people have things that aren't things. experiences together. Do you mind if I still swing by on the first, not to collect rent, but just to say, hey, I care about my tenants. So yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. You're going to be getting some minor maintenance bills. And of course, you're going to be getting some property taxes. But ultimately, you'll be paying probably... I don't know, a tenth of what you were paying before. Thank you for this. Thank you so much for doing this. It was maybe not generous per se. I know that you still made a profit from it from all these years and that ultimately this was still a really beneficial arrangement for you, but you didn't have to. So thank you because it does just make sense. But yeah, thank you. That was the good landlord. Join us next week when we meet a landlord who jumped in front of a bullet to save their tenant's life. So full disclosure, Sean and I are here talking about landlords, but Sean, you're a tenant. I'm also a tenant. So it's a bit awkward that it's just us two talking about this. So why don't we get some landlord voices on the show? We want to be aware of our bias. We want to do the right thing. So we got a new segment on the show. We're really proud of this. Please roll the clip. 
We are here in the Landlord Voices Orium, where we collect and store Landlord Voices, very volatile compound. We mix them together to create distilled encapsulations of the Landlord point of view. If anyone is concerned, these Landlord Voices were extracted in a fully humane and legal way. We have a system of tubes that spread across the globe for the Landlords to send their voices to us via tube. They pop out a little doors in the wall here, and then we collect the voices and synthesize. So yeah, these voices have no bodies, so we just have them call in through the landlord phone. Let's get started. Yeah, hi. I listened to the first part of your show. You know, I'm a landlord. I just wanted to know if you think that I'm a bastard. Um, I can give you some more information about my life if that's even relevant to you. Sure, yeah, yeah. Hit us with that extra information. All right, so I own my house and I own a small condo, which I rent out at below market rates. That's good. Market rates are very high. And I make just enough in profits to cover my debilitating ongoing illness and paying for my medical bills here in America. It's the only way that I can pay for my deductibles. I'm on a fixed income. I'm an older person, and my two properties are the only thing keeping me alive. My tenants are like children to me. I was at their wedding. They will be at my funeral. And uh, just recently, this COVID thing happened. And, you know, I told them, forget rent. If I have to go with a bit less medicine, or if everything I own gets taken away from me and I end up on the streets because of it, that's what I have to deal with. But I'll accept that if it helps you, my dear tenant. That was my message. So, you know, I like your show, but I'm just dying to know, do you think I'm a bastard? I have to say, just based on the details that you've shared, you're not very lord-like, are you? No, I wouldn't say so. And do you think, do you feel rewarded for doing the right thing for people? Does the system help you do that? Or does it come to great acts of ethical courage? Well, I mean, I don't like to toot my own horn, but the whole willing to go without medicine, if it helps my tenant thing, like, if you want to label that ethical courage, courage, I'll I'll take it. But thank you. (laughs) So you're saying I'm ethically courageous and not a bastard. It sounds like you've been the absolute smallest amount of bastard that a landlord could possibly be. Maybe not the smallest. You could forgive way more rent. That's true. I could use less medicine. Just saying, do you need all that medicine every time or do you just get extra to be safe? I guess I'm about to find out. I just think if every landlord was like you, there wouldn't be a problem. And until every landlord's like you, which isn't going to happen, unfortunately, the role's just got a little bit of bastard in it. Until the role changes, you're going to have to do these acts of ethical courage, but you should get that medicine. So let's do another call. Yeah, that was a good one. Challenging to our stated worldview. Yeah, I think it's good to have the other side reflected. Absolutely. So, well, yeah, next call. Hello, I'm calling first as a landlord, and secondly is Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth you're oh calling Majesty That's the a, Queen. So you sound exactly like I always imagined looking at our Canadian coins. What a deferential subject. What bloodline do you come from? Germanic, mostly. So oh. Russian, I, I think, uh, in there, yes. Ukrainian. I could have guessed. I'm calling today because, technically, by law, I am the largest landowner in the world. And I've taken a break from waving from my car and sitting on large chairs to give you a little bit of the landlord side for once. Because I usually love your show, but there's a lot of expenses that come with being a landlord. Imagine being the biggest landlord of all. You're talking maintenance fees and mortgages and taxes. You know, people say that land ownership is a privilege. It's a sign of wealth to own lots of land, but I think it's so burdensome. I'm the weak one here is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm the one who's downtrodden. And how are your finances doing? Like, how are you handling it all? I'm distraught. I am devastated. No, but I mean, I mean, how's your bank accounts? How's your holdings? How oh, are you? Oh, oh, oh. 
we don't have to. No, no, no. Okay, if you don't want to go into it, this is your time. So. No, I'm not going to. Why would I? Get, it's a private question. Sure, yeah, yeah. Let's get back to some of your deepest I feelings. Think, you were talking uh, about your deepest uh, no, feelings, no, I think, and I distracted with something much more private. I think you're, you're right. You're, this you're, call, you're distraught. This call, I'm not sure about this call. I think it's. I think maybe we're oh, over. Oh, no, please stay no, on the I show. Think, I think I'm the queen. I think my time's worth something. Okay, well, thank you so much for calling. I don't need to anyway. face this Maoist abuse. We're not, you know, it's... Thanks for calling in. Oh, yikes. I don't know if I bungled that call. Do you think? She seemed pretty mad yeah, at the end of it. Yeah, she's really sensitive about just opening the books, cracking open the hood. and Yeah, it's a sensitive subject for people, but I think relevant to the topic. I don't know if I regret asking it. You know, part of me is like sort of impolite. It was almost like you asked Queen Elizabeth II to open her blouse, metaphorically speaking, mm. to show her underwear to everyone. And that's inappropriate, if you think about it that way. Yeah, if you do. If you do. So next caller... <laughs> Hey, yeah, um, I hate the show, man. I'm a landlord, and you guys are just fucking dipshits. You're assholes. Ouch. Ooh, never fun to hear that. Can I ask why? Yeah, this, the way you just fucking go too far, man. Demanding that all landlords show all their finances. It's sick, man. We're not down with that. That's Nazism against landlords. I don't think that that's true, but this is landlord voice time. So are there any other things that you think the landlord-tenant relationship might be comparable to from history other than Nazism with landlords as the victims? Yeah, you're right. That doesn't go far enough. If I were to compare it to one thing from history, like if me and all the landlords put our heads together and tried to find the closest thing, it's like racial slavery against landlords really racial yeah not not race neutral slavery but like so in this analogy landlords are completely oppressed yeah these nightmare tenants they pay rent late always asking for things to be fixed they complain when you raise the rent and i don't do kids or dogs you know i'm trying to keep this landlord voice centric but you know i just i feel like that doesn't make any sense like you get paid like that's the whole thing that's what landlords do is they get paid that's like the main thing that you do which is the main thing that it's one of the main things that slavery didn't do is pay them. I'm just saying. Right? That's so a, doesn't that feel like don't it's Don't I have different? a right to my voice? Hmm. Interesting segment that you're running here. Another thing I could compare it to is hmm, what's the biggest, most horrible thing that's ever happened in history? You want my opinion? Yeah, yeah. It, just, it doesn't even need to be perfect. Just one of the big ones. I mean, you already hit the Holocaust and transatlantic slave trade. Like, I don't know. I don't know what else to put on that level. Like, there's a lot of things, but I like, I don't know. Yeah, just name one. Uh, the dropping of the atomic bombs. That's it. That's what landlords are going through. Anytime a tenant doesn't pay rent, that's it. It's literally the same scale. Huh. Well, that's all the time we have this week, I think, for Landlord Voices. It was a pleasure hearing from you, landlords. We're going to try to make time for you in the future. So keep us accountable. Call us out. Yeah, we built this whole chamber or whatever. What did we call it? A chamber? We built this whole chamber with the tubes. So, so yeah, maybe we'll do it again sometime. So one of the prominent landlord voices that you hear around discussions of the housing market and how the rental system works is that they are in a very oppressed position, they're saying. Like, they're actually getting a pretty short end of the stick. You know, they have these constant late rent payments. <laughs> have you seen the disasters that these tenants leave behind? Garbage everywhere. And it's true, you can have tenants who badly damage your house. It's like, that's a bad thing. But I think we need to take a look under the hood here. What's actually happening with rental housing? What does it economically look like in material, monetary terms to run a rental property? Yeah, because I think the landlords 
getting the short end of the stick. It's based on the idea that the relationship to begin with is fair. So when either side violates the relationship, that's like an equal thing on either side. Tenant doesn't pay rent or landlord does something bad, like breaks some rule or whatever, jacks up the rent when they're not supposed to, whatever. Like those things are the same because the fundamental relationship is equal. So that's the thing I think really like we got to check out, pop the hood open, see if that's true or not. So do you want to pop the hood or should I pop the hood? Give her a pop. Give her a pop. Okay, pop. Whoa, there it is. Under the hood. Bare for us all to see. Like Queen Elizabeth's blouse. Okay, so I mean, I'm not going to get into the critique of it just yet. I'm just going to describe it sort of objectively here. Landlords become landlords by making investments. You make investments by already having money. People who have money make investments in property, and as a result, their tenants, in many cases, pay off the cost of their property for them, but in the cases that the property's already paid off, just give them an Andrew Yang-style guaranteed basic income just for already being rich. That's how the housing system is designed in our society. That is the structure of the housing system. I'm not putting any sort of ethical reading on this at this point. It's the way that it's designed. You can't become a landlord without access to purchasing assets. So purchasing assets is done with money. So rich people, by the very structure of the system, are valued by the system through economic mechanisms that are well understood in public. And this is just how the system is designed. So no critique there, but it doesn't sound fair to you. Uh, I think, as everyone knows, I'm a person who can be completely objective when I want to. I can analyze things for objectivity perfectly. And I think the only critique I would have was the kind of bit of flair of an Andrew Yang style basic income. You know, people could interpret that a lot of ways and it might not be an objectively, in the beginning you were like property owners need assets to, like that's, that's all very value neutral language and stuff. The flair at the end, bit unobjective, but I think the heart of what you said is absolutely still true. I mean, like even in the industry, and the stuff isn't a secret either, the, the lens of the landlord is an interesting one to take on. They call earning rent passive income in like entrepreneurial communities. And that's any time where you're like earning money in the marketplace without actively doing work. So like getting royalties, an example of that, or stocks, or owning a business that you have like a hands-off role on. And being a landlord is a form of passive income. They brag in YouTube videos about how you should get into the industry, the people will pay the mortgage for you and they'll give you some money. It's not a secret. There's this account in one of the landlord groups I'm in that's like, doesn't have a real name on Facebook, which is rare, but it's like, it's something landlord something is, but it's like a post in the group under that name. And this account was just like excited about this economic downturn because he has a lot of money that he's going to use to buy more properties and said, just because housing prices go down doesn't mean the rent has to. I love that mustache twirling sort of villain <laughs> stuff. Cause I'm I mean, pretty if you, sure it's a real account too. I was looking, I think it's real. <laughs> if you think about it, it's like a, a commodity. Like they always use the example of flashlights in a crisis with market dynamics. Like, oh, people, a lot of people want flashlights. So you raise the price and the people who want it the most will get it. But like, obviously, it doesn't pay attention to the fact that you could want it very little and have a lot of money and then you can outbid everyone. Uh, so it's just like completely ignoring the fact that people have different amounts of spending money is like so inherent in the pattern grid world of the marketplace stuff. But if you think about it in terms of like an essential human need, like water, 
and you're like, oh, just because the pumping bills are down doesn't mean the water bill is going to go down. It just like it sounds so dystopian and horrible. So it's interesting to imagine being in that sort of landlord reality tunnel where you don't realize how traumatic it can be to be separated from your home and to be on one end, a person's coming as a business person with the logic and structures of capitalism behind them with, in many cases, some benevolence or ethics added onto it on the personal level. But the other person is coming as someone who needs their basic needs fulfilled and needs a place to call home, maybe raise their family. It's a very imbalanced arrangement. Totally. I think a lot of them don't realize or maybe like try not to think about how horrifying it would be to be made homeless the way they casually talk about it. But I think also they just think that it's the tenant's fault, right? And that they, A, they're like doing this great thing by providing housing and tenants should be grateful to them. But B, if the tenants ever can't meet their obligations, that's a failure on the tenant's part. It's not systemic. And their duty or their their thing that they're doing of providing housing should immediately go away because they shouldn't do it unless it like benefits them because they like at the same time see this as an investment like primarily and the oh it also provides housing thing i think makes them feel good about themselves or self-righteous when they're in a conflict you know like i couldn't charge them rent if they weren't getting housing so why can they get housing if i'm not getting rent or as much rent as i want or like you know a bunch of profit. And the numbers are mind-boggling. Like even with mortgages, like half the rent is profit. It depends a lot on the specifics. Like I can't speak for the whole marketplace, but we know from industry data, like for example, there's Altus as a firm that advises landlords on the real estate industry. Their advice about buying rental buildings in BC, this is a public document, estimates that the cost of operating buildings is between 25 and 31% of the rental costs. You can check this where you are in a lot of places that sell apartment buildings. Buildings. Like it's not a website I typically go to because I'm not in the market to buy apartment buildings. Hey, but you know who is? It's people who are already wealthy. So you go to the, you go to these websites. It's not for tenants, but you can sneak on on the internet. No one knows you're a dog, and you can see the actual back end of it because when they're trying to sell it, they want to show that it makes a lot of money. So they're like your rate on return here. The cost here is 25% of rent. So you collect four times as much money as it costs to keep your maintenance staff and everything going. You can look it up yourself. Was that maintenance costs? Maintenance costs and mortgage. Yeah, it doesn't include mortgage. The one that included mortgage was like half. Right, okay. So then it's still half profit, even with the mortgage. But the mortgage is technically still part of the profit because that's going to your equity that you get to keep. So like the idea that that's not profit is a problem to begin with. But I just, yeah, I wanted to be clear about that because these profit margins are huge. And those sort of profit margins are why the largest landlord in the country of Canada, now this is information from the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives, the largest landlord in the country described 2019 as another record year with solid increases in all key performance benchmarks. A 4% increase in rents across the board and over a 15% increase in profit in 2019. And in 2017, a paper from the University of Waterloo, uh, Martine August, showed that the 20 biggest landlords in Canada own 20% of all the rental suites as of 2017. Uh, the real estate investment trusts, which are like financial landlord profit optimizing machines for shareholders. That's the real face of the rental market. That's the logic of the system. It's not mom and pop, you know, it's one in five rental units is owned by these massive economic enterprises that are purely, literally profit-seeking only. 
And they make more money every year by taking larger and larger pieces of your income. And it's just the logic of the system. Everyone's like, that's normal. Yeah. And I mean, like, you could say, oh, it's only one in five. So how can you say that's the face of the rental market? But it's like the market rates for what people pay in rent are based on what the market can bear. An individual mom and pop landlord might not see themselves as having the same ruthless logic. And yeah, maybe they charge slightly below market rates. But the thing that's setting the market rates, the thing that's setting the benchmark is this kind of ruthless capitalist profit-seeking logic. Yeah. And I mean, just think about it from an ethical sense. Why should our society reward people having something, whether that's shares or property or anything that they have, that they're the boss of this inanimate object, or they're the boss of this conceptual piece of paper, which is part of a legal framework, and that their bossness, the amount of money they've invested and bet on the marketplace, why should that sort of income be taxed less than people who are working sweat in their eyes to produce the goods and services, the places we live, the buildings themselves, the construction workers, doctors, you know, people who work to make society work, their income is taxed at a higher rate Salt of the earth people. Well, the landlords, people who invest in the stock market, rent seekers get all these weird loopholes. The system is designed to continually funnel money towards the top. And it's not a conspiracy. It's not that some people sat together and said, oh, I think we're going to do this. This will be such a great idea. Political orders are always based on sort of like the assumptions of the ones before it. And the assumptions of our property and housing system are fundamentally sort of like rooted in aristocratic notions of property that were designed by people who were rich to serve them at the time and then evolved for a long time until they became something that people started to see as neutral and fair. But fair between the poor and the rich is never fair. If someone's starving and the other person has all the food they need, should you cut a piece of bread in half? Oh, we just got a piece of snail mail in the Wrongtown mailbox. And it says here, uh, let me just read this out loud. You guys have been generalizing about landlords, and it's not fair. What about the small landlords that do good things for their tenants, always do maintenance on time, and charge less than market rent? Signed, Worldwide Largest Landlord Advocacy Firm Incorporated, LLC. Bit of grassroots mail. Yeah, you know, we're always happy to answer questions from any of our listeners, and this one's no different. So why don't we learn a little bit about the small landlords together? Sean, do you want to learn? Yeah, let's do it. I think uh, let's go for a quick walk uh, out the door here, over these stones here. Careful on this one. Oh, yeah, heading into the Enchanted Forest. Oh, look at these redwoods. Beautiful, hey? The air here is just electric. Do you feel it? It's something different about it. This is a very special place. Now, here, you see this old log, this old crusty log? doesn't look like much, but... Wow, it's a whole little universe down there. This is where the small landlords live. They're a mythical humanoid creature type thing. Did you buy the three shrinking pills I asked for? Oh, due to shortages at the supermarket, they had a limit of one shrinking pill per customer. Fucking COVID-19. That's capitalism in a crisis for you. It's funny, people on like Twitter or whatever are like, now you know what it's like to live under socialism. It's like, uh, this is capitalism. Anyway. So should I take it? Should you take it? Or should the audience take it? I think we got to do the selfless thing. Here, audience, we're going to have to stay up here, up in regular size worlds. If you you take this shrinking pill, you can go down and uh, 
visit with the mystical little village. We were looking forward to going, but... Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. Sorry, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a warrior, but I really want you to go. Okay, so once you take the pill, Sean and I are going to get very big and very... Hello, welcome. Welcome, friends, to the world of the small landlords. We're going to take you on the tour. Come with us. It's a magical tour. Then you'll learn so much about our ways. A lot of people say it's beautiful beyond description. I disagree. I think it can be summed up pretty well with the word tremendously beautiful. We do a lot of maintenance and renovations, and I think it shows. Absolutely. Another thing you'll notice is that all the rents advertised in front of the beautiful buildings are well below market rate. The market could bear much higher prices, but we try to stick with a 5% profit. We often get frustrated that the big landlords try to use us as an example to say there's some continuity between us when there is only in a very superficial sense. We've got a whole culture and society. Every person in our society is a small landlord. Now, quick fact, usually we just call them landlords because we don't think of ourselves as small unless there's people from big world here. We say that to make you feel more comfortable. But the core value we all share is that we are all landlords and we are all tenants together. Combined together in a synthetic fusion to generate a universal personhood amongst us, the synthesis between the landlord and tenant role. Called colloquially the landlord. But technically speaking, expanded the detail, it's the no landlord, the absence of landlords, it's shortened. Every person is a no landlord, but it's a bit of a mouthful, so we shorten it. Everyone here builds equity in similar ways. Profit margins are fixed. There's no such thing as a large property owner in this system. And there's just a fundamental distinction between what we're describing here and what the people who often cite us, unfortunately, in our way, our culture, and put it towards their profit-bearing ends without our consent. It's frustrating. Yeah, just because our voices are small in comparison to some of the enormous giant landlords out there, they often don't carry as well to the people. So we appreciate when people come to visit and get the real story. The average shrinking pill only lasts for about a wide window so we do encourage you to get out of town just to be on the safe side i'd say run back to where you came your size could destroy us by accident it's not your fault please leave nothing personal tell people about us oh oh audience you're back i sure hope you all learned a lot about small landlords down there yeah we wanted to go on that tour forever so that must have been really cool for you I'm stoked. Yeah, Sean, it's okay to say if you're disappointed about not getting to go. I think it's up to me whether or not I'm disappointed, and I can tell you that I'm Uh, I'm not disappointed. I'm actually deeply happy for them. Actually, not even let down. Okay, yeah, no. I'm actually uh, just chilling. Who am I to say that you're wrong about that? So absolutely. Um, Thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, Interesting to tell someone else how they feel. Hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting. Not what I did. Uh, Explicitly not what I did. Yeah, but we agree that would be interesting. We both agree. So that's uh, pulling down the curtain on this segment. Sean and I are like curtain masters. We stand behind, make puppet shows for you all, the audience. And now we're directing your attention from this curtain to the next one. Everyone part the curtains on your viewing goggles and turn to the curtain to your right. 
Another lens that I really like for looking at the problems with landlordism or the role of landlords in society comes from Georgism. So Georgism, for people who don't know, is a relatively niche political ideology based around the ideas of this guy, Henry George. The idea is that the core issue with landlordism has to do with the unique properties that land has as something that's being bought and sold and traded on the market. And primarily what that is, is that land is inherently finite and that land itself, as opposed to the whatever's built on top of the land, but land itself gains its value not from human effort, but from pre-existing material abundance. And in the Georgia's definition, land includes land as we normally think about it, but also other natural resources that have a, have a limit in that same way. One of the reasons that being a landlord is so profitable is that like you own a home, which is like this magical piece of property, which unlike any other piece of property you'll ever own in your life, increases in value on its own without anything happening. Like cars don't do that. Cars are worth less as soon as you buy them and just become worth less and less over time. Smartphones, bicycles, literally everything. This applies to everything because physical objects that you buy, like commodities, products, things that are useful, break down and become less useful over time. And that's also true of houses, except that they are on top of land. And land tends to keep increasing in value as long as there's like economic activity and like people living nearby until you have like these periodic crashes and stuff. But like the trajectory over time is up, 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 up. Yeah. In terms of the marketplace, it should be more often that if something is an investment, it's not going to be a guaranteed return. I mean, it's that way in the stock market. There's a risk in return. That's the whole point of investing. And it's interesting and funny how when it comes to land, there's more of an expectation of a guaranteed return on investment than you see in other sectors. And I think the reason for that is because homes are so central to people. Like the reason for that is the same reason why it's so screwed up when landlords really mistreat their tenants and evict them and stuff like that is a home is such a sacred thing. So for the homeowners who are living in their own home, the ethic sort of comes from there, but then it spreads to landlords. And it's sort of conflated the difference between owning a home and owning multiple properties where you rent out to people. Tying these investment mechanisms, the, the marketplace mechanisms, the up and down, the line goes up, line goes down stuff to something as fundamental as people's homes, if there's an option not to, it just generates an infinite number of problems that we can go over today, even if we took a great endeavor to. I think that's true too. But like the Georgist angle on this is that land is different from other property because like there's only so much land on the earth and it's our common heritage. Like it belongs to all of us. And the idea kind of that you can actually own land doesn't make sense. Like this is capitalist logic. And this is something that like Adam Smith, Dave Ricardo, like a lot of those people who are there at the founding of capitalism understood, which is that like, you only want to live somewhere because other people live there because there's businesses nearby because there's other homes nearby. The reason that land has so much value, the reason that people want to pay really high rents to live in Vancouver or to be at like the best shopping area in town is because of the location of that land. And the location of that land is like the community that surrounds it and the people who are there. So like that's where the value of land actually comes from, is from the community and from the people. So the idea that 
one person can quote unquote own land and profit from it in the same way they could their fishing rod that they built and they want to catch fishes with sell them you know like that's some good old capitalist you made your own means of production and you're selling fish but land isn't like that you didn't make the land and you're not responsible for the value of it yeah and the philosophical opposition to rentier income taking rent from people as as a means of sustaining yourself this is not just some wild socialist critique This is a critique that you can find in different areas of the political spectrum because it maps to reality pretty well. So Yeah, like even (laughs) under capitalism, it doesn't make sense to have land ownership under the law. Like you need that neoclassical where they like made that shift and considered land like any other property. Um, And like I just kind of like the angles of talking in these Georgist critiques of it because you can talk about it within the realm of like their economic grid world logic like it doesn't make sense within grid world logic which is part of the thing that really lights up georgism for me like i know economics like right leaning economics nerds who are georgists who like they don't think the minimum wage should be raised they don't think there should be any other taxes except for land value taxes that's full georgism 100 percent land value tax but like they do want that and they think landlords are if not bastards, that the role is a bastard role, shouldn't exist. Like they get that. So like you can do that even within capitalism, which I think is a, a pretty beautiful thing. And like the idea of full Georgism to me, like when I want to describe it, the idea is nobody can own land and rent for land must be paid to the community. So it's kind of it's kind of a nice idea. Yeah, and Georgism a hundred years ago is a massively, massively popular. Like there's actually a professor of economics, Mason Gaffney, who puts forward in his book actually that progress in poverty, which was written by Henry George was connected to sort of this thing called the single tax movement, which was that capitalist economic take against landlords, that there should only be one tax, which is a tax on land, and that land is sort of common ownership. It was like the best-selling economic textbook of all time. I think Mark Twain said it was good. It was like a really popular book. And when you read about history around like the First World War and stuff, you can see on the margin sometimes, you know, the single taxes and stuff are mentioned. And it's true that most of the people you see who are really into Georgism are like sort of center to right economic wonks in these Facebook groups who run like black and white HTML websites about how great it is. There's some good <laughs> socialist, socialist leaning Georgists too, though, for sure. And I think there should be because the way that it breaks from the pattern grid world logic to be like, wait, let's add one ethical supposition to economics. The ethical supposition that we need to build our economics around in Georgism is that the value of land isn't created by individuals. The value of land is created by community, that the value of land is created by more people wanting to be in one space or there being lots of people somewhere because location, location, location is something they tell you when you're buying property. The reason for that is because that's where the people are that you want to be around. Value comes from the community. That's right. It's one ethical supposition. You could add more and we need to add more ethical suppositions if we want to talk about transitioning to an ethical system. So you need that one. And obviously you also need that people shouldn't not get medicine (laughs) and people should get food, water, and shelter when they need it. You add those assumptions to economics, you can create something that's even better than Georgism, dare I say. Well, like most of the time, I don't understand how this economic logic works. I can't 
pair it out but like the idea is that if you switch to 100% LVT with no other taxes according to the grid world logic that means the government will collect the most amount of taxes possible so like then you have the most amount of money to do social programs social democracy stuff that's usually the way I see them go with what you're saying like we need to make sure people don't go without this and that it's the, the idea is that if you do this the full 100% LVT that will get the government the most possible money to provide for the less fortunate etc I can't explain why, but I know that they can find one online. <laughs> you know, let's make room for Georgia's voices here. I don't fully agree with that, but I'm glad that it's part of the spectrum. I love the old Georgia saying, everyone works but the vacant lot. It's a good critique of the economy of land. Yeah, I love the old Adam Smith saying, landlord's right has its origin in robbery. The landlords, like all other men, love to reap where they never sowed and demand a rent for even the natural produce of the earth. It's a good one, Adam Smith. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Throw that quote up in one of those landlord groups. <laughs> yeah. And welcome to a new segment on Seriously Wrong called Asking People Online. We wanted to know the most important thing that people in the world need to know about the landlord-tenant relationship. And so Sean asked some people online. We got some answers. We can't wait to share them with you. If you got a tough question and you need answers, you can always turn to the people online for help. What do they let us know, Aaron? Uh, here's one. Landlords will always hold the power in the relationship due to the ability to terminate by selling or personal use of the property. Until housing is affordable for all, the people will be abused. Here's another one. Cooperative housing, which allows lower income people to gain equity, actually saves the government money because of all of the unofficial social support that comes through communities that know each other. It allows people to know and care for their neighbors. And stable rents make for stable people. The private sector fails on housing. If governments would invest in more cooperative housing, that investment would pay off. Now this one's short and to the point. It says, the rentier class are parasites, not providers. To all the landlords in the audience, just remember sometimes when people are upset, financially stressed, feeling exploited, they sometimes lash out and use hurtful metaphors. Anyways, here's another one. The whole point of being a landlord is to make a profit from simply owning a living space. They're unnecessary middlemen who inflate how much it costs to exist in any place to the point where many can either barely afford it or not be able to afford it at all while getting no stake in the property. Landlordism is a massive scam and shouldn't be normalized. I'm going to go for a threefer on the next one here. I got three comments. They all share a theme. Uh, number one, everybody ought to have an equal claim to land and natural resources as they are essential to our survival, limited in nature, and the product of no human effort. Number two says at core, which is all taxes come out of rents. And uh, if you Google that, I guess you'll learn more about it. There's a link there, but I can't give links over voice. And the third one is law of rent, which is a core part of Georgism. Basically the location, location, location thing. I think there's probably more to it, but. Here's another comment from the internet. We must stop prioritizing landlords need for return on investment over human beings basic right to have a home. Uh, here's one that might be from a landlord or might be sarcastic. I'm not quite sure, but it says, by being the lord of the land, you have unlimited right to berate and belittle the staff of the local magistrate. Uh, so it's a bit of a different perspective from the internet on that one. Here's another one. Landlords are nothing but recycled feudalism. It's actually renters that are the chief financiers of development. Property, exclusion, and power are a package deal. 
And fundamentally, property claims are the root of the class system. That's some really great points. I like I like that one a lot. I also really like this one here. It's uh, it's a bit poetic. It says, uh, "Landlords do not create the shelter. We do. Capitalists don't create the work. We do." So that's what they're saying on the internet this week when we ask them the question, what do you want people to know about landlords? This is a fun bit. I like uh, other people's ideas. They're so on point. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this again. It's great to get a sprinkle, a big sprinkle of ideas from the gushing sprinkler head that is the internet. Wet us all down a little with those. <laughs> Refre- refreshing ideas. Oh, <laughs> Summertime ideas. These refreshing ideas. Oh, my shirt's stuck uh, to my body. <laughs> Hi, just uh, your friendly neighborhood landlord here to collect the monthly rent. How are you doing this evening? I am doing so well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> it's so funny seeing you here today during this economic crisis. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I was like, what day is it? The thing that doesn't affect our agreement, right? No, man. Didn't you hear rent day is canceled? All of us tenants got together and, and oh. we decided that we're just going gonna to call oh, it no. off. Are you all choosing to be selfish? What is this? Come on, don't do it. Pay your rent. You agreed. Why can't there just be a bad harvest season on rent sometimes? Like when a farmer doesn't grow enough carrots. I mean, well, okay. What if there was a bad harvest season on wages? How would you like that? Like, it's basically the same thing, right? I expect your rent as my wage. I'm telling you, we can't pay rent right now. We shouldn't be evicted. It's unethical. We can't be homeless during a pandemic. Well, don't you have any savings? No. I have a lot of savings. I know. That's why you should bear the brunt of the crisis and not me and people like me. Oh, so those who were prepared should bear the brunt. Most people don't have the option to be prepared by purchasing an apartment block. In terms of like whether or not we should put the impact of the crisis where there are cushions, that is good public policy. And I mean, in terms of our disagreement now as a tenant and landlord, I just am aware of the fact that my rent over the years has really paid you a lot of income while I was doing the labor and you weren't. And like, that was fine for before, but like now it's a different world. So we got to renegotiate. All maintenance costs together, mortgage, everything. What percentage of my rent is profit? Well, I mean- Because I think we should just open up the hood if we're going to negotiate. Because I can show you pay stubs. I can show you, I can show you this other times too, but this time, I mean, it's- Okay. Yeah. If you're going to show me your pay stub, I see here. Yeah. It seems much smaller than a normal one and it says terminated. Yeah, okay, I'll open up the book. So it's about 49% of rent, and there's 30 units, and on average, each one rents out for $1,200. It's about $600 per unit times 30. It's about $18,000 a month in profit. But I do spend a lot of that on things that I buy. Like, I, I buy a lot of things, and my kids go to expensive schools. I only buy organic food, a lot of vacations, although obviously we had to cancel some vacations. They lost the deposits too on the flights and the hotels, I might add, recently. But still, yeah, 18000 a month in profit. I mean, hearing those details of your financial struggles and the sort of standard of living that you're accustomed to that you're now going to have to lose... It's compelling. Yeah, no, and I mean, like, it has your year to date here. And I mean, I know it's only March, but $7,000 year to date. And again, 18000 a month. I'm starting to see your point more. It's not just a neutral interaction here where we agreed to it. And really, I have, yeah, I'm, hmm. Yeah, I mean, 1200 hmm, a month. Really uh, I've made $7,000. That's 
$36,000. It's over half my income that goes to rent. From what you said, the breakdown from the costs, how much of that 49% is mortgage? About 25% is the mortgage. Okay, so here's the mistake you're making. A lot of landlords make this mistake, and I think it's important that you let some tenant voices in sometimes so you can check yourself. Mortgages are payments being made by you on an asset, an asset that you're buying. So the idea that the tenant inherently has to buy an asset for you as part of the arrangement of being a landlord is wrong. So the actual real costs of things that neutrally you're on the hook for as the result of the tenancy would then be half of that, 25%. The mortgage costs, that's you buying an asset. Yeah. I always knew that renters don't get the place at the end. And I was like, oh, that's silly. Why are they renting when they could just own and then you get the place at the end? But I never thought about how I get the place at the end that the renters are paying for. I mean, I knew that that happened, but it just didn't clicked in that way since you described it. And one more thing I just add to that is I'm sure when you purchase this apartment, it was one price. And then now if you were to sell it, it would be another price. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My equity, it's uh, it would be good. It would be good for me if I did that. So in that sense, you're also profiting anyways this month. Huh. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And remember, it's the tenants who let you have that lifestyle. Thank you, by the way, for that. I feel like I should be more grateful. Now that I'm thinking about it, I should be a little more grateful to you all. Yeah, that's what we like to hear. Do a dance for us, landlord boy. Uh, okay, that's weird. Uh, you're joking. You're just joking. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit of tenant humor. Joke. I don't own any property, so we find stuff like that funny. Yeah, that makes sense now to me. I always thought it was malicious, but now I see that it's not. You know what? take the month off. We'll take the month to cool down. And next month we can have a conversation and see where everyone's at. That works for me. That's great. And thank you for not collecting that illegitimate payment this month. I look forward to renegotiating a fair rate in the future after we look under the hood together. Can't argue with fairness. Okay, so we've got a system where lower income people are paying 30 to 50% of their income as rent to landlords, a group of people who are wealthy enough to own at least one, but probably multiple properties, generating a passive income to allow the rich and then also people who are not rich but are on the wealthier side of poor to extract labor and wealth from people who are too poor to get into the housing market. Yeah, it seems bad. It's like one of those things that if someone like pitched it to you and you'd never heard of it before and it wasn't naturalized to you from like experience, mm-hmm. it would sound like the most batshit proposal for how to ensure that people have homes and that people have, you know, what are the benefits of a housing market, like variety of homes, that sort of stuff. Like it doesn't really achieve those ends at all. So, I mean, I think in the context of the current COVID-19 crisis where people are forced to stay in their homes, where, you know, a lot of jurisdictions are doing things like banning evictions for reasons of late payment and stuff like that while people have their income stopped. In regular circumstances, if you fall short on your income, you're fucked. Get out. Good luck. It doesn't matter if the reason is that you caught a really bad flu and almost died or not. But because it's happening all across the board and having economic impacts, then the system sort of like makes a little tweak to be like, okay, well, we need to make enough Band-Aids to keep there from being horrible consequences. But a lot of the solutions that are coming from the sort of like technocratic policy people and even on the sort of like liberal left 
are focused more on the economic stabilization side than the relieving people side. And they have like all this onerous paperwork for low-income people to prove they're poor enough or they actually really lost their job over it. Well, there's tons of people who are like going to fall short of any sort of system you set like that that have been seriously impacted. Policymakers are looking at the situation where people can't make their rent and then they're creating a system to ensure that rent is a constant thing. There's no such thing as a bad harvest season for rent. Rent is immortal. It's like clockwork. If you're a landowner, you deserve your money no matter the context. That's the logic of the system. Yeah. And if you're going to do it that way, then like you should at least give people enough money to actually pay all of their rent, you know, like because right now just freezing evictions and giving some support, but maybe not enough for a lot of people or maybe not to the right people all the time because of like means testing and other shit. Sets up this situation where once evictions get turned back on, all the people who couldn't pay their rent are now being taken to small claims court for owing five months worth of rent. Like I see landlords in these landlord groups already talking about this, like planning for being able to take their tenants to small claims court at the end of this. So just canceling evictions and assuming that rent has to stay the same regardless of whether you can pay it or whether there's any actual supports for you is cruel and like irrational and like inhuman. Well, in the places where they have eviction bans, the law of the land right now in every place I've heard of is even if you're late on your rent, at the end of all this mess, you still owe an equal amount of money and you're expected to make that up somehow afterwards. Actually, Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart in his newsletter proposed under the section for renters. So this happened a couple of weeks ago. I read this when COVID was first popping off and he suggested expanding rent banks in BC, which would mean giving low interest loans to people who can't make rent so they could pay their landlord. And this, I was kind of upset about it. And I started talking to people about it. And within a couple of days, we, <laughs> we launched a letter writing website to cancel rent day in Canada, which was really honestly completely forged in me getting like pissed off at this email I received from my mayor that just missed the scope of the crisis. And like, fair enough, people make mistakes or whatever. And like, I don't think it makes them evil or something, but it definitely shows a lack of understanding of what it's like to be a renter and what people are feeling. When you first sent me your cancel rent a proposal, it just delighted me to no end. The way that it's just like the kind of policy that you would see, like we were just talking about making these rules so that landlords still get paid, but tenants are like going to be in debt afterwards. But your thing like flips it around being like, no, okay, so rent is canceled, like for everyone, nobody has to pay rent until this is over. And landlords like we want to take care of landlords too obviously right yeah. everyone wants to take care of landlords there's got to be something in this for them they have maintenance costs so low interest loans for maintenance costs <laughs> yeah, low interest loans for maintenance yeah costs. and you know in order to get these low interest loans of course they're gonna have to apply for it so we'll just at the time create a landlord registry and really just look under the hood and figure out what's going on here in terms of how much money they're making in profit versus pay like we can make better housing policy if we have all this information. So it's one fell swoop. We can do it all. Cancel rent day, provide landlords everything they need, maintenance cost loans, and also create a registry so that we know what's going on with landlords in general. It's just, you know, like it's such a good piece of propagandistic legislation. Yeah, these these are sort of ideas that have been floating around some of the political spheres that have been in policy in BC. And it's just like, this is a really sort of one specific version of it. I could link the article in the description here. But yeah, the basic premise is instead of means testing the tenants, 
absolve tenants of all responsibility, whether they really need the help or not, they actually do need the help because the housing market is distorted against them so fundamentally that it's true that some people will get benefits from it who don't strictly need it. And uh, I would encourage them to use their benefit for good in the world. But we don't leave the landlords out to dry. We we just ask them to, to pop open the hood, show us what they actually need. I think it would actually work. I think it would help a lot of people right now and also set the conditions to create a more humane housing market in the future. Our system is set up to reward the rich and punish the poor so fundamentally deeply in its logic that politicians don't even think they're thinking that. You know, it's like you have these base assumptions so deep in society that political advisors, policy people, et cetera, they're going to have a tendency to not take a step back and be like, hey, wait, is it the rent that needs to be paid or is it the underlying mortgage payments and maintenance that need to be paid? And then when it comes to mortgage payments, is it the mortgage that needs to be paid or is it the interest that needs to be paid from deferral? Or is it the interest that needs to be paid or can you just like pause interest? And like these are questions that we should ask during regular times. The rest of our lives have also been a crisis. But right now, because it's a very acute and short-term crisis is affecting everyone's lives, we get to sort of preview what sort of tools we have in the toolkit for tackling climate change and other things like that in the future. Didn't they do something like that in France? It's for corporations. In France? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's for corporations. I don't know. There might be update. I haven't followed everything, but the first rent forgiveness stuff I heard about in France was only for corporations, not for renters. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's how the system works. Um, it's like a parody of itself. And in Canada, guess who's not paying rent? Guess who didn't pay rent on rent day the other day? Fucking the airports. The airports didn't have to pay rent. I saw that article about a bunch of subways and things were deciding not to pay rent. So maybe the corporation, the people, the corporations who are people are our allies in this. They know that they can't pay rent while the shutdown's happening and neither can we. <laughs> that just reminds me of like the sort of there's this idea, and I think it's ultimately sort of naive, but I want to give it a fair hearing for a second, which is that if you want rent forgiveness, and this is just an example, I haven't heard someone say specifically this, but I think it demonstrates a principle when it comes to liberal strategy, is if you want people to support rent forgiveness, tie up corporate rent forgiveness and renter rent forgiveness together. Just make the two things super connected. It would be real palatable. You can get more support across the aisle. Look, while corporations are people, like legally, while that's the case, might as well make the best of it and forgive rent for all people and like align on this issue. Yeah. So the strategic thought behind that is that you put it all together in this package and people can't take and pick what they like from the package. But this type of logic is so pernicious because what it does is you start with your opening bid to be strategic and have good gamesmanship. You're going to start with an opening bid where you've already met them halfway. But be honest, is your priority that the corporations have to pay their rent or not this month? No, they, you can figure out ways to deal with that. I don't give a shit. I'm sure they're going to give them a bunch of money or something. But like, why should the onus be on activists to propose these unfocused policies? It drives me crazy when people make this claim. Is like, who are we advocating for? Well, let's put that advocacy in our rhetoric because politics is a negotiation. We're negotiating with the public mind and then you negotiate with other positions through parliamentary democracy or wherever else, but also through the realm of like public opinion and stuff. It's a negotiation. You have to start by asking for what we need. And what we need right now is to completely change the housing system fundamentally from the bottom up. It's a broken system that doesn't work. It rewards the rich and punishes the poor. Housing is a human right. If you want to make housing a human right, you actually just need to really change the way we do housing. We need to look at things like mandating that renters get a piece of equity with their payment proportionate to some sort of standard. So like if you're renting a place, 
why should you not get some percentage, and maybe it's a small percentage to start, of the equity of the home for the time that you spend there making payments on it? You could design a housing system that fundamentally integrates renters in a co-op kind of way with the buildings they inhabit. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You could still make being a landowner paying a mortgage a better deal or make the whole thing. You know, let's be radical. Let's not meet them halfway to start. How tepid of me. What we should do is make mandatorily everything be co-op and social housing. Any sort of rental is going to be co-opized based on the rent that people are paying from now on. And they can sell out their shares later or whatever. Mandatory. Let's just make it happen across the board. I agree with you with not meeting people halfway, because I think if you started with the corporations, our people and all people shouldn't pay rent thing, by the time it gets passed, it would be like, okay, yes, but only people who make over a million dollars a year should get their rent forgiven. So, you know, look, whatever, they would... get fucked up somehow well yeah because i mean debt between equals debt between people at the top as you know we're buddies you know the guy manufactures arms he's good for it he'll give me some money someday but a tenant someone below you economically not making their payments that's why you don't have a house like me i I see it i see you're evil i see why you're unworthy i see (laughs) you always see that golem shit come out in the landlord groups too where they're like they didn't pay the rent this is why i get a house Hey, welcome back to another segment of Asking the People on the Internet, where we ask the internet questions. Uh, This segment, we have decided, uh, (laughs) we went to a group of entirely landlords. In this group, Landlords Anonymous BC, article is posted, Five Myths About Landlords, from Rent Strike Vancouver. We'll put a link in the description. And Sean and I are super curious about what the landlords are going to think about these five myths. Yeah, so here's some of the responses. Here's one. What a giant load of defamatory shit against us landlords. Jerk stains. I bet it's a professional activist. He's just mad he didn't save enough for a down payment. Wow, this utter moron is this stupid as to write such moronic crap and publicize how dumb they are and how they have zero grasp of reality or the world? What a fucktard. Fucktard in all caps. Brackets, sorry for swearing. Well, at least I apologized at the end there. Cool beans. I'm going to go on a grocery strike then. I'm just going to stroll on into thrifties, all casual. Let the cashiers know they're exploiting my basic human need for food and refuse to pay for my cart of groceries and walk out. Oh, wait. Hang on now. I know what we'd call that. Theft. And someone chimed in to agree with that person. I said pretty much the same thing to a troll on this site. And his response was, so you think people who can't afford groceries should starve? And I'm like, no, you dumbass. I don't believe in theft. Gotta love wannabe anarchists. They're actually endearing in their own way. Lol, that was an awesome read. So many holes in his logic and arguments. I actually hope they do a rent strike so the government will need to intervene (laughs) and pass some laws that are actually favorable to landlords for once. If most tenants were capable of maintaining their own home, then they should be capable of being responsible enough to save and buy their own. This site is garbage. There's so many. (laughs) How about this? Landlord strike Vancouver. Everybody out. I wonder what this person is like as an employee. They must also really hate their boss slash business owner too. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. It's true. Totally true. What a juvenile write-up. I've been poor most of my life and rented for many years. I've never even been late paying rent ever. Yes, I put myself through college, got a career, and bought a house. This person's taking a bit more of an optimistic stance. It says, uh, if these individuals choose not to pay rent, 
Then we simply do a poll on this website and see how many landlords have been affected and fold those numbers into a petition for governmental relief. The government does not want to see an enormous number of small landlords <laughs> have to put up their homes for sale, all for the benefit of renters, for the simple reason that they have received no revenue. Well, so wow, those were the responses. Very heated stuff. Uh, yeah, it's personal. It makes but, sense. It's uh, had to people's livelihood and stuff that they would be afraid of a, of a rent strike. But, I mean, ethically speaking, if you want to do a balance sheet, have they been paid enough already? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but, but, I mean, there's a lot of details that go into implementing that in reality. Yeah, so overall, I would say the spray of the ideas this time from the hose was... Still refreshing, but in a different way. It was like refreshing warm water instead of refreshing cool water or something. I'm not quite sure on the analogy there, but I think I got it across. Perfect balance in all things. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, is this the uh, repair shop? Uh, yeah, I'm a repairman for uh, housing markets. Happy to help. You got any problems? Yeah, my housing market here is just not running right. There's something about it. People keep ending up homeless while other ones are rich. There's, yeah, here, can you just take a look at it? Oh, yeah, people being homeless. Housing market's not supposed to work that way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the whole point. Um, let me pop it open. Oh, geez. <laughs> ah, man. Yeah. Should have brought this in sooner. <laughs> but we, we got it. We got it. It's just going to be more than a few tweaks here. First of all, I just got to say that your, your landlord profit margins are off the charts like that's wild this is a huge huge amount of labor that poorer people have to do to support them that's not going to work in the long term i mean oh man how much of your people are paying more than 30 percent of their income for because yeah i mean it should be like 20 percent. a healthy housing market would be 15 20 percent of your income i'm going to put some quick salve on that here this is the band-aid solution a little bit of money for them but the we got to figure that out in the long term Where's your landlord registry? Landlord registry? I, uh... <laughs> you don't what? Yeah, is that a part to a housing market? <laughs> yes, yes, it's a part. Oh my god, it's a part. It, let me guess. You don't have a housing authority either. Look, you know, I'm not a mechanic. I just want to drive the housing market. Sorry, around. I'm not making fun of you. I just think a lot of guys these days think they can run a housing market. It's funny. So yeah, you're going to need to build public housing that is tied to people's income. So the target, say you got 50% public housing in your region. By building this public and co-op housing that's tied to people's income, that puts a market pressure for the private sector to compete with these cheaper units. But they need to be plentiful enough. It needs to be a pretty large build out. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You're probably going to want to establish some sort of like housing bill of rights that establishes that people's basic needs come above profit in this equation. Limit the amount of profits that people can get after you get the data from the landlord registry, build the, right, the public housing. Right. I mean, that, that'll probably just get it humming to start. Oh, and the other thing here is this section here is about 20% of your housing market right now is controlled by real estate investment trusts. Now, these are like purely economic organisms that exist to generate and pull income through rental properties. They manage assets on behalf of investors. To the degree that you have that in your economy, you really need to like remove that um, municipalize it or nationalize it somehow or turn into co-ops. That's going to take the whole system down every time. So between all these things, that's a place to start. I guess you're not probably not yet willing to talk about the fundamentally absurd legal concept of, of property and how that relates to all this, are you? You just want to tune up the market? I mean, yeah, I do want to keep driving this thing. If we're talking about dismantling the whole market, that's not what I came here for. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, we respect our customers' wishes here. So you're free to go and be the boss of inanimate objects as much as you want, and we won't judge. Oh, thank you. 
And yeah, all that stuff you said, it sounds good to me. Makes sense. Just implement it. It's a quick tune-up. Sure, yeah. I mean, in the long term, you're going to want to move to more distributed forms of equity, distributed forms of assets, where there's no such thing as a rent payment, which isn't also a payment down on equity of some kind. That would be approaching a more just system. The alternative is to go the opposite direction and make no one own property. That's the long term. Medium term, everyone gets equity. Long term, it's abolished. That's probably the trajectory out of this mess. That sounds great, and I'll see you soon. Another thing I've been seeing a lot in landlord groups recently, actually, variations on the theme of my tenant isn't going to pay me and there's nothing I can do about it. So like while, yeah, pausing evictions isn't like the best thing in the world, it's like it's a real opportunity and it's a real window because like they can't do anything about it right now. So, you know, this COVID thing is wild and surreal and terrifying and like dread inducing and all of that kind of stuff but like it's also like made me feel more hopeful about a lot of things just because you're seeing so much activity in people feeling like the way things are might not be the way things are that it might not be how it is you know (laughs) like (laughs) it is how it is maybe not it might not be how it is and the landlord version of that is my tenants aren't paying me and I can't do anything about it. And the tenant version of that is we're organizing our building and we've contacted the other buildings that our landlords own. And together we're all organizing a rent strike against our one landlord or, you know, variations on that theme. My building is doing this or like, you know, I can't do this. How can I help other people who are doing it? There's a lot of activity and a lot of people doing things that might have really good political consequences. So yeah, I just, in addition to all the horror of COVID, I've been noticing a lot of hope on the left, which is refreshing, actually. I think part of it is that we're seeing governments take actions out of necessity when it comes to like providing basic collapse insurance on areas of the economy that are badly damaged by like stopping. And imagine that having a system that can't stop for two weeks without this sort of shit happening. Like there's no option to be like, okay, pause two weeks, two week break, everyone. Like that was just never an option. It really, I really thought it was, but no, you can't. It's like two week break. It's like you fuck, like everything's fucked up. Like really shows like just how completely fragile the system is. The system that requires constant economic activity and constant economic growth, like the economy has to keep growing. Otherwise, like people lose faith in it and then they pull out of the stock market and everything falls apart. And then their Fed is giving a trillion dollars a day to banks for some quick liquidity and like loans, they have to pay back whatever, like it's not just giving, but like it just, it, it so lays bare the uh, weakness of the current economic system, which is, I think, again, yeah, like why a lot of leftists are like feeling a bit of hope right now, in addition to all the bad things. And like, yeah, it's a weird time. And if you uh, want to organize a rent strike, just quick recommendation, our friends at Rebel Steps did a COVID rent strike emergency extra bonus episode in the midst of their second season. So I would recommend checking that out. Yeah. I mean, look for tenants unions and fledgling rent strikes in your area. I just caution, try to be mindful of the legal situation where you are and try to stand together with other people. If you're going to participate in this sort of stuff, we have tools at our disposal, especially in this window, like Aaron said, 
But at the same time, doing sort of like a wildcat rent strike by yourself could have negative consequences. I just want to emphasize, yeah, like the organizational element. And I think also especially targeting landlords who are particularly venomous first will help build support over the months until you can get a level of political intervention that leads to a rent cancellation. Oh, and the thing I'd add about rent cancellation also, and this is a wonkish detail, but it can make the world of difference in the lives of tenants. Mandate that when rent is canceled because of COVID, when we eventually win this after three or four months into this 12-month COVID thing, mandate that all the rent that was paid starting on April 1st rolls forward as overpayment. That's already the way it's structured in BC with any overpayment. Based on your jurisdiction, it might be different. I think we should not give up on April 1st. Like, we missed the window. Everyone knew we didn't have time to organize an enormous... (laughs) cultural and political movement against land profiteering in that 10-day window. Give us a couple months. Hey, April rent day won't be over for another year, so we can still reach back and we can ask for it. We shouldn't neglect to ask for that. Absolutely. And this brings me to, I think, a final point about the politics of rent and rent day and landlords and the way the system's structured and how we might structure it differently, which is, do we want our future to keep rent day? Do we want rent day the day where the tenants pay the landlords every month. Do we want to keep that tradition? Or do we want to create new and better traditions in the way that housing is dealt with? And whether that means that people have to pay costs for the places they live and so on, it seems inevitable as long as there's money in some form. But do we want to keep rent day? Do we want to keep this whole system? Or do we want to restart at a more fundamental level? Because I think we can have a beautiful future without rent day. For me, I don't like rent day. Myself, I don't enjoy the ritual of paying rent. If I could not have that, that's what I would prefer, definitely. It's hard to imagine, but I'm going to do my best right now to like imagine no rent day. Let's take a call from the landlord line. Let's see what, what landlords think about canceling rent day. Just get a quick thought on it. Final moment. Yeah, that's true. It's been a lot of tenant talk, so sure. Hey, yeah, I just heard you guys' idea to cancel rent day and not have rent day and not just do that one time for the COVID-19 crisis, which I oppose, but then also floating the idea of shifting to a society that abolishes <laughs> rent day. No, these sick ideas are terroristic. I feel like you two are plotting basically to starve me and my family. Can I ask you a question about why you really want to keep rent day, just so I can understand you better as a landlord? Yes. I just want to know, would this be good to you or not. This is kind of a Georgist angle, so I just want to throw this one off you. What if we keep rent day, but instead of the rent going to landlords, we abolish the role of landlords and rent gets paid directly to the community. So if a bunch of people live in a building, they would pay rent at the same thing. So like rent day is still there. You obviously love rent day. You want to keep rent day. Yes, thank you. They pay rent. But it goes to the government who provides services for everyone, everything that they could possibly need. It's a real true like social democratic utopia based on all this rent. So you would be paying rent on rent day instead of collecting rent as a landlord, and it would go to the community. And since you love rent day, and this version of rent day to me seems much better, I want to know if we can relate on this point and whether that's a kind of rent day we could both be okay with what do you think uh, i'm trying to meet you halfway here no i hate that rent day oh. just an oafish idea for a rent day if rent day was like that 
<laughs> I'd be the first one to call to abolish rent day. Okay, so it's not just that you love rent day, it's that you love being the one who receives rent. Okay, I got it. Yeah, who doesn't love to receive rent? One other question before you go. Would you mind opening up the hood for all of us and just like, what are your expenses? How much is profit? You know, how much is the mortgage, your home mortgage, all of it? Just let it like, can we see what's going on? Oh, that you're disgusting. That is like, it's like asking me to show my naked dick. I'm not going to do that. Nasty suggestion. That type of behavior is why <laughs> you might be a tenant for a long time. Uh, I'm offended you asked. Well, thank you for your landlord perspective once again. I don't agree with it, but good to have you on. Yeah, Sean, you're right. I tried to meet him halfway with the Georgism policy. Like, we can keep rent day, but like a good version of rent day it goes to all the people. And they didn't take it. So I guess we're going to have to cancel all rent days forever. Yeah, I mean, I think the more that you get into this metagaming stuff of like, oh, maybe landlords won't want to profit maximally off of me if I convince them. Of, it doesn't necessarily mean like picking the wildest, craziest, biggest thing you can think of. But our discussion needs to be framed between what they want and what's actually needed, like what will actually solve the problems. And sometimes that looks a little bit outside the Overton window for people, but you have to start there. Our first bid, our humble first bid here, and we're willing to hear back from the landlord, land-owning, landholders associations, and the political and legal professions that exist downstream from their revenue. We can hear the critique. But I propose that we abolish rent day now and forever. Opening bid. We now return to Wrong Street. Today, it's a very sad day. Yeah, we're here at a funeral for a landlord. Oh my God, I can't believe that our landlord died. I, I'm going to miss him so much. He, he's he's like a hero to me. You know he's like a hero to me, and he's actually dead? He's such a great hero, but Sean, don't you know? He's not dead. He's just not our landlord anymore. He, is he still alive? Yeah, I know. It's a bit confusing because it's a funeral, but he's right over there. Look. Oh, only the role of landlord died. The man still lives on. Oh, 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 thank God. Well, thank you so much for coming to my funeral. I am so <laughs> sad to see you go, man. I know, uh, you're still a landlord. I'm not anymore. <laughs> Believe me, I'm sad too. I love collecting the rent. How did but, you lose uh, everything? Didn't the rent come in every month? I'm still in denial stage. Yeah, the rent didn't come in every month, but that wasn't even the whole problem because I could have absorbed a lot of months <laughs> without rent. Let's just say some of the money went up my nose, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> landlords are as landlords do. Expensive drugs on the menu. Well, well, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss being a landlord, but parts of us die, we move on. That's how life is. I'm really going to miss that landlord-to-landlord -landlord bond. It's it's nothing yeah, compared We were to so it. close, and it's never going to be like that again. Because we're I can't believe not on the, same level the role anymore. of landlord in you has went to role of landlord heaven. Now, you know, I never I never believed in role of landlord heaven, but it's a nice thing. Oh, hey, Sean, this seems like a private moment. Do you want to... Oh, yeah, I feel like I've been gawking without even recognizing how personal that is. Funerals. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. I, you know what I've been doing, too, is eating so much. All this food at the buffet. Ooh, yeah, two things I love are levity and eating. And funerals only really give you one of them. That's true. Um, I've got That's too much food to eat. I'm going to have to throw the rest of this buffet plate in the garbage. I just... My eye's bigger than my stomach, it seems. Yeah, it's too bad. It's wasteful, but... 
I mean, some of this food was going to go to waste anyway, I guess. Let's throw our food in the trash can. A lot of people are wasting the food this way, so it's okay. Open it up, throw it in, and... Oh! Hey, trash puppet! Hey, sorry, I did. I, I got that on you. A lot of people waste a lot of food, you know? Just saying. No, I agree. It's not the best. I'm not trying to say anything about you, I think, as a person. Just talking about systems <laughs> and patterns, right? <laughs> but yeah, this whole uh, funeral is a crock of shit. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going to ask you... What do you think about the funeral? I think it's a nice. Um, before shit. I acknowledge what you're saying, I just want to share what I think. I think it's really nice. It's like a send off to our landlord who I always cared about a lot and like him losing that role in his life. It's a sad day. I'm going to miss him as landlord. He's still alive. He's that's just the that's role. That's why I said I'm going to miss him as landlord. That's died and it's, the role's bad. All landlords are bastards. You're being so negative again. He's become liberated, actually, you know, in the sense that the slaveholder is also dehumanized as is the slave, you know? The landlord is dehumanized as is the tenant. Metaphorically speaking, he's been held back from his own humanity, and now that he's lost a lot of great deal of financial assets, he might get a new sense of perspective and become a fuller person. I mean, he's, he's liberated. This is a birthday party. This is a zeroth birthday party, as far as I'm concerned. All the mourning and stuff, it's a crock of shit. You know what? I was thinking that you were being really negative about this, but now I actually see your take as kind of positive. Maybe this is a birthday party. I'm the only one here who's actually smiling from ear to ear at the death of this bastard. I'm talking about the mech suit, not the soft pink human inside. I actually think if it were up to me, no people would ever die. We'd all live forever, and I'm working on that. Uh, If only there's a way that we could hook people into that common sense that you're talking about. Get everyone here to understand that through, like, implication or irony or... Well, I actually know that the DJ at this snooze fest is actually a tenant organizer himself. And as an act of solidarity, he's going to be playing a tenant comedian to uh, blow all these landlord minds. It's going to be epic. Hey, everyone. I'm a tenant comedian. I had to take public transit here because I own less than $12,000 in assets. <laughs> yes, I love it. Hashtag just tenant things. What's the deal with landlords? Why do they get so much rent? <laughs> Every month? Again? He's here again. Again? Huh? All right. I don't want to be brutalized. You know what they say, housing is a human privilege, right? Human privilege for some? No, and it's not just landlords. It's also people who have investment properties who don't rent. I mean, those people are actually sort of worse in a sense. I like to imagine, you know, like a pandemic doctor, a construction worker, and a landlord all hanging out. And the landlord's like, oh, yeah, working this week, huh? It's hard. We've been through so much this pandemic, all of us. This is hard. I think we should all just come together as tenants, okay? And just say, hey, can I see your expenses? Can I see the in and outs? And can we renegotiate rent based on both knowing the whole picture? What a giant load of pay for services. Someone with no ambition. What about a landlord strike on the wrong street? Everybody out. Well, I've never seen landlords clear out of a funeral for the landlord role so fast. He was a bit rude to them, sure, but I think it's understandable. Yeah, he's ribald for sure. <laughs> what did you say? It's, it's ribald. It's ribald humor. It disturbs the comfortable and comforts the disturbed. It's frankly ribald, and as a tenant, <laughs> I've got a soft spot for it. So, yeah, I just Googled it. Vulgar or indecent speech or language, coarsely mocking, abusive or irreverent, and often refers to sexual matters, which... 
kind of makes sense in this instance too. Yeah, I think it is a little bit of a coarse and indecent thing to do to ask a property owner or business owner to show their expenses. But yeah, many of them feel like that's catching them naked, so to speak. So, But ironically, in order to apply for tenant support, you actually have to send a full body nude scan to the government. This means testing is out of control. This paperwork proving last year's income, the full naked body scan of both sides sent directly to the government, it's out of control. Well, you know, I've learned so much about landlords today on Wrong Street. Yeah, me too. This has actually been a really wholesome learning experience. Absolutely. And uh, as you all know, Wrong Street is brought to you all by viewers like you. So if you want to keep Wrong Street alive, head to patreon.com slash seriously wrong. Otherwise, uh, we're going to have to send role of podcast producers to role of podcast producer heaven yeah sean and i would live on but our role as making this podcast would go to the heaven where all of the different podcast hosts are whose podcasts had to stop at some point not that they're dead physically but the roles you get it so that's what you're preventing by helping us out on patreon and thank you so much to everyone who's already doing that you made this episode of wrong street possible it really helps us out where people donate but there's a lot of ways to keep metaphorical gas eco-friendly advanced gas in the gas tank of the wrong engine and some of that is telling your friends about the show posting about it on twitter facebook posting reviews on itunes stitcher we also have a facebook group that's open to the public and a facebook group that is for people who have donated to the show oh and we've got a, a discord server where we have a weekly discussion group right now we are reading through post-scarcity anarchism so people who are patrons are on the server can get in on that and if money is an issue for you we never want money to be a barrier to accessing what we do if there's a need feel free to reach out and we can get you into the book club or whatever so thank you all so much again for stopping by wrong street it's been amazing and this episode of wrong street was brought to you by the letter j for jubilee as in rent jubilee forgiveness of all rent debts which is what we're going to need at the end of the covid crisis and we should extend that jubilee to other things like student debt mortgages for people who are living in the home who are low income you name it jubilees jay and this episode is also brought to you by the number 15 and do you know why the number 15 is the number of the episode Aaron? i do but can you explain it to me absolutely the number of the episode is 15 because that's the percentage of your income that should be going towards rent and finally today's episode is also brought to you by the sky because the sky is the limit when tenants band together and use their power to demand a better world. Bye, bye, bye. credits rolling, bye.
next time on Seriously Wrong. Oh, oh my god, uh, where am I? Welcome to the role of Landlord Heaven. Oh wow, I'm dead? My full body's dead? I'm fully dead? No, 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 you're not fully dead. Your human body still exists. This is just the part of you that was a landlord. It's now dead, and I am the part of St. Peter that is a landlord, and I'm here to welcome you at the pearly gates. Oh my god, I got into landlord heaven? Was I a good landlord? Well, actually, people who get into heaven, it's not based on whether they were a good or bad landlord. Just every role of landlord when they die goes to heaven. Actually, any role that a person has throughout their life when it dies, goes to a type of heaven for that role. Wait, okay, this is a lot to take in. I just, I'm the landlord piece of a human being. I'm going to landlord piece of human being heaven. And you're telling me that there's no such thing as hell. There's no landlord piece of human being hell or any other type of hell. Yes. So all landlords go to heaven. Yes, but it's not a moral judgment on whether you are a good or bad landlord. After all, the slogan of this and all the other heavens is that there's no moral justification for sending anybody to eternal hell. Wow, so does that mean that there's like a grade one version of me and a grade one heaven with everyone who ever went through grade one? Absolutely. And I worked as a fry cook for a summer. Is there a fry cook heaven where a fraction of my consciousness is in heaven with all the fry cooks doing exactly what they would want to do if they were fully devoted to cooking fries? You know it. And let me tell you, in grade one heaven, the teacher never gives homework. In fry cook heaven, the oil never splashes out and burns your skin. And in landlord heaven, the tenants always pay on time and they never complain when you raise the rent. Oh boy. Oh man, we should abolish the role of landlord entirely to send all landlord roles to this wonderful place. It would be the best for the people down there on earth and the best for the roles of landlords inside those people. Oh man, where can I wet my beak with some speculation? The gates are open. Heaven is yours. I'm going to buy and own a piece of this heaven and I'm gonna rent it out better than anyone's ever seen.